This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, I have an interesting conversation now. If you, um, if you watch sports on TV, and probably even, you probably don't even have to just watch sports. It's probably showing up everywhere, but I, I definitely notice it a lot when I'm watching sports on TV. Um, you've seen them constantly. Ads for sports gambling constantly. You can't get away from it. In fact, some of the actual broadcasts of the sporting event that you're watching are including gambling as part of their broadcast, as advertisers, as sponsors. They have segments now where the hosts aren't necessarily talking about um, where this play was made correctly, incorrectly, what this player did right, did wrong. No, they're talking about betting that's going on during the game. It's it, it, it's crazy. It's a, you know, I was in Las Vegas recently. There is a monstrous poster of Wayne Gretzky just outside of, uh, I think it's the T-Mobile Center. Is that what they call it in Vegas? Whatever. Uh, outside of the hockey arena, there is a massive, massive banner of Wayne Gretzky up there uh, for a sports betting site. It's the same one that Connor McDavid endorses, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, you're talking two of the biggest names in the sport, um, past and present, all in on this sports gambling thing. It's huge. It's massive. And it's all a result of Bill uh, C, um, C18, C21. What was it? C21, I think. I can't remember. But we talked about it not long ago when it came up with uh, Kevin Wall. He was the guy who sponsored it. Um, it legalized single game betting in our country, which sort of changed the landscape in a big way. So to get some insight on what the, uh, the slippery slope may be for some people, we're going to chat now with Professor Declan Hill. Uh, professor Hill is an associate professor of investigations at the University of New Haven and the lead of its Sports Integrity Center. He's the author of The Fix, Soccer and Organized Crime, and The Insider's Guide to Match Fixing. Professor, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you joining us. Say, it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much. You know, it, it's really kind of shocking to see how quickly the landscape changed once this bill passed. Like I say, I mean, it's everywhere. You're inundated with marketing for sports gambling now. Yeah, you know what they call it in the UK, and, and this is the basis. I, I wrote a big article in the Globe and Mail on the weekend on this. It's basically the, the UK and the European Union and America, of course, has gone through what Canada is just about yeah. to embark on. And, and, and I want to make sure that all our listeners know I'm in favor of legalized sports gambling. I'm even in favor of legalized single-event sports gambling. But a couple of things have changed in the last 10 years about gambling that make it much more dangerous, much more of a, of a, of a risky phenomenon. But... Before we get into that, let's just talk about what you know these academics call the gamblification of sport. Yeah. And that's really entrenched now in British sports. You don't get a sports team. You know, It's really difficult to find one of their sports teams without a bookmaker's logo on the thing. And, and, and the problem with that is that people start to look at sports less as this as this, you know, moral narrative that, you know, you know, inspires us in our daily life. And it more becomes a vehicle for gambling. For betting, exactly. So that, it, it becomes more than the game. 
Yeah, well, 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 people even stop looking at the players as players and great athletes and kind of Olympian gods to, you know, to, to admire or not. And they more become like horses in that the horse racing. They become a vehicle for your gambling. And it's a significant transformation. And, it, and the research is robust over in the UK that the younger demographics, the guys under 35, are no longer looking at athletes as athletes. They're now like, hey, can the guy match the point spread? Can he do this? Can he do that? And it's very much in the same way gamblers look at horses. That's what we're getting into. Yeah, it completely changes the way that we interact with, you know, what has just been a game for so long. Um, and, you know, let's break down some of the the dangerous aspects to this. And I, I'm with you. I'm in favor of this. And I recognize that for the vast majority of people, this will just, it'll change the way you do things when it comes to sports, but not necessarily in a drastically negative way. But in some cases, Professor, it can be extremely negative, deadly in some Absolutely. cases. Absolutely. Look, 90% of our listeners, you're no danger. Absolutely. For 10%, this is, gambling is addictive. And it's particularly dangerous for that uh, male demographic between 14 and 35. And when I say 14, I'm not exaggerating. The Gambling Commission, something that we don't have here in Canada, they have it in the UK, it does a lot of research, looks over, does an oversight of this uh, of this industry. They did research last year, and they discovered they had tens of thousands of pathological and problem gamblers who were under 18. So and, wow. and I want to make sure our listeners appreciate this. This isn't just a whole bunch of teenage guys, mostly guys, gambling. This is that they're already addicts. Yeah. And every single one of our listeners, I don't care where you are in Alberta, where you are in Canada listening to this, you know that's basically those, most of those teenagers, their lives are now over. If they're an addict at 15, they're never going to be able to escape from that. Their brains are getting wired in a completely unhealthy way. Um, and, and part of the reason is this gamblification of sport, which you've you know, astutely pointed out. You can't turn on a sports event without being no. bombarded with your sporting idols saying, hey, it's okay to sports gamble. This is great. That's fantastic. Now, you and I... And as I tell you, 90% of our listeners are like, yeah, yeah, we can handle that. We're adults. But you're a 15-year-old boy. You think, hey, it's okay that, you know, NHL star X or past yeah. NHL star Y, whatever, are saying it's okay. Or some Hollywood actor is saying, hey, sports gambling's cool, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly you've got all kinds of issues, all kinds of problems. Look, in the research for that um, uh, Globe and Mail article, I, can, I, I contacted a group called Gambling With Lives. They are set up by parents whose kids have killed themselves because of gambling. And they've done really good work at collecting robust academic research, looking at the rate of suicide in the UK, and they reckon somewhere between one and two people a day oh. kill themselves because of gambling. And, and I, 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 you know, if, if people are like shocked by that, look, go to their site, Gambling With Lives, and you'll see on their website these distraught parents have put photos of the kids who have killed themselves because of their gambling addiction. This is a serious problem for a small but significant yep. percentage of the population, and we've really got to start talking about it. I just got a text as we're talking, and I know this is another issue that you addressed from somebody saying, hey, governments have long tried to take um, you know rackets away from organized crime. If you can't beat them, join them. Yep. It doesn't work, though, right? Especially when it comes to gambling. I mean, they tell us that's why they're doing it, but it doesn't work out yep. that way. Yeah, look, this, the, the piece begins with a phenomenon that my sources in law enforcement and Canadian police 
have been uh, bugging me about for a number of years, and that is the the the, the wave of mob-style attacks, arsons, and murders between uh, biker gangs and you know what we consider traditional uh, you know Italian-based organized crime. The Rizzutos used. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I have a sports gambling um, network. The Rizzutos were the mafia group Montreal, based out of Montreal. Yeah. But, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. The Rizzutos were killed off by a group uh, called the Nendrangata. They're basically from Calabria in southern Italy. Um, but they're now the, 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 you know, the dominant group here in Canada. They killed off the Rizzutos. They took over. And there's this, there's this series of murders between these guys. And you're like, hang on a second. That doesn't make any sense. If we're going to legalize sports gambling, why would anyone in the mob care? Like, yeah. You know, they'd be like, hey. But instead, they're killing each other to seize control of this lucrative, what they regard as lucrative sports gambling, because they think that the more legal sports gambling there's going to be, the larger the market is, and that the legal bettors are going to go into their market. So if you're a serious gambler, i.e. an addict, you don't want to have, you don't want to be dealing with somebody who's got social responsibility. You're just so desperate to place your bet that you're going to place your bet with anybody who gives you credit. And that's going to be the organized crime guys. Wow. They love giving people credit because then they can loan shark, then they can put them in debt, then they can take away their business, they can take away every penny that they've got. We've all seen Sopranos. Family. We know how that works. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's that thing. And that's why the organized crime guys are going around shooting each other because they really want to own that market now. The other thing you mentioned, and, and this boggles my mind, but you run through a number of examples that I wasn't aware of, and that's match fixing. And I mean, I, of course, we know about the, the, the White Sox back in the 19, what was it, 1920s, 1918, something like that? 1919, the World Series, yes. I mean, but, yeah, look, but it happens all the time, right? Yeah, Shay, you put your finger on my actual expertise. I've written a number of books. I did an investigation when I was doing my PhD at the University of Oxford and over in the UK, and where I infiltrated a gang of Asian match fixers who travel around the world fixing major sporting tournaments. And there's now a, a you know a tsunami of fixing going on in soccer and tennis, cricket, all these many of these uh, major international sports, and that's kind of lapping at the shores of North America. Um, uh, you know, the greatest case that, that we can relate to as Canadians happened in the Canadian Soccer League, which is a kind of um, semi-professional league in Quebec and Ontario. And that, that, that had so many fixed games for so long between the years 2009 and 2019 when they effectively changed the league. It was an international joke. I mean, most bookmakers just gave up offering, <laughs> uh, you know, bets on this Canadian soccer league. Every time I would go to an international anti-match fixing conference, and I'm, I'm pretty stark about calling out corruption and complacency. You know, as a Canadian, I, I, I want it done right. Um, somebody would stand up and say, you know, who are you to talk? You're a Canadian. The Canadian soccer league's a living joke. And I'd be like, yeah, fair play. Yeah, you, you got me on that one. So, look, Canada has a reputation for match-fixing internationally. Uh, one of my colleagues here at the University of New Haven, a, a brilliant guy called Richard Lewis, who has been an investigative journalist in eSports. That's this multi-billion yeah, dollars market that the, 
that the kids are, 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 are building. You know, they, it's just consuming their lives and they're doing a great job, except there's massive amounts of match fixing. And many of the match fixers in esports are choosing to live in Canada because they don't have a law that specifically says match fixing is wrong. So if you're in the U.S., you're going to have a problem because the FBI has actually formed a special police unit. Yeah. And there's actually a law federally that says you can be indicted and convicted. Here in Canada, we neither have a special unit among the police, any of the police, whether it's provincial or the feds, RCMP, and we don't have a specific law. Wow. Hey, tell that story before I let you go about the two teams that um, were in a competition to make sure they lost. (laughs) I mean, this is mind-blowing, Prof. Okay, well, look, so the Canadian Soccer League, it happens five years ago in the Niagara Peninsula in, in, um, in southern Ontario. And there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of guys, and there's, they're an honest team. Like, they're really trying their best. <laughs> they're, they're good Canadian guys. And um, they're playing against a team that has brought in a bunch of really professional, higher-level foreign players who are clearly fixing the game. Like, clearly fixing the game. And by the midway through the second half, the Canadian guys go, you know, I won't say a bad word on, on, on air, but like sod this, yeah. we're not going to, we're going to participate in a fixed match. And they take the soccer ball, they turn around and they start running towards their own net and they're going to score on their own net to like blow the fix. I, they're going to lose the game so that these guys who are trying to fix, who are trying to ruin their league. So they, the, the Canadian guys are literally running down the field, trying to score on their own net. The other team, with these high-priced foreigners who are trying to lose the game, go sprinting after them. They stop, they grab the ball, and they start running towards their net to <laughs> score on their goal. So the last 20 minutes of the game, Shay, is these two angry teams going, we're going to ruin the fix. No, you're not. And they're both trying to score in their own net. That's how bad the fixing got in the Canadian Soccer League. That is unbelievable to me. I mean, so we're ahead of ourselves in terms of legalizing this and not necessarily putting in the guardrails that we need to, uh, you know, like you say, even around simple laws like making price or match fixing illegal. Yeah, and listen, there's a whole bunch of things we need to do. One is we need to be training our health professionals to recognize gambling addiction. Yes. If you're a drug addict, you know, you walk into a doctor's or a nurse's or, or you know, practitioner's, they're probably going to be able to recognize that there's some kind of addiction going on. Gambling addiction is equally severe, but there's no physical manifestations, or there's very few physical manifestations. So we need to be training our health professionals to be able to recognize this, to be able to begin healthy conversation, saying, hey, you know, you've you got to do this. We've got to recognize that this is a new form of gambling. It used to be 10 years ago, if you wanted to make a gamble or a bet in Edmonton or Calgary or wherever, you actually had to go to a racetrack yeah. or you had to go to a casino. You had, to, you had to physically move. Now gamblers are effectively walking around with casinos in their back pocket. That's the, that's the mobile gambling power. Uh, you know, again, 90% of our listeners, yep. they don't have to worry about it, but, but, but 90% of our listeners know somebody who's an alcoholic. Definitely. Now imagine that alcoholic who's struggling to stay sober, struggling to be a good person and, and, and live without addiction. Imagine that they would have to walk around with a bar in their back pocket. No, That's you're absolutely right. And, and the That's destruction the that gambling does, Professor, is fast and it is uh, absolutely devastating. I mean, it takes lives. Yeah, and the thing is, 90% of people, it's not going to hurt. Yeah, for sure. 92%, it's not going to hurt. But somewhere between 1% and 8% of our population are extremely susceptible to this. And now this new frictionless gambling where you can pull out of your pocket, you can click some buttons on it, and suddenly you're, 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 you're involved in something that you don't know, 
is really, really dangerous. Really, really dangerous. Awesome segment, Professor. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Thank you so much. Shay, listen, it's an honor to talk about this issue. Have me on any time because I really want to get this, this national debate going. This is a hugely important issue, and it's going to break up families across Canada. Yeah. So we need to start talking about this. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, and we will uh, we'll definitely chat again. That is Professor Declan Hill, an associate professor of investigations at the University of New Haven and the lead of its Sports Integrity Center.